Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I'm going to have a great conversation with Dr. Ben Colston. We're going to talk about a number of things. As always, you never know exactly what we're going to get to, but, but the things that I want to talk about are largely related to adding to your practice and adding to your, your quality of life through other mechanisms outside of, of optometry. So please enjoy our conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. So today I want to talk about the MyDay Multifocal for just a second. It has been a really great thing in our practice for our patients who are presbyopes of all areas, but you know those tricky presbyopes are always the ones that are kind of emerging where they don't want to give up any of their faraway vision, but they're having some struggles up close. And so what uh, the MyDay Multifocal has been able to do for us is to allow those patients to transition into a multifocal more easily. And then as we have those patients progress into other levels where they they need more ad powers. It's been a nice, smooth transition. So the ultimate hurdle that we've seen in our practice before the MyDay multifocal was that we'd have patients who would resist any transition to a multifocal lens because of that distance blur. We just haven't seen that. So if you haven't started using MyDay multifocal in your practice, I would encourage you to start, check it out, uh, contact, reach out to your Cooper reps for those trial lenses uh, and commit to MyDay Multifocal for your patients. I think they're going to like it. If you haven't checked out MacuHealth yet for your patients in Category 1 through Category 4, I think there's a lot of evidence that you should be considering. The first is if we just look at AREDS 2 and what they, they talk about, MacuHealth is a, so for patients in Category 3 and Category 4 um, AMD, MacuHealth is a great option for them that follows that entire, um, that entire protocol, and it also adds mesozeaxanthine to the mix, which if you look at some of the evidence, I believe shows me that it's going to thicken the macular pigment better than without mesozeaxanthine. It also uses the a correct AREDS2 dose of zinc uh, at 25 milligrams, and so you don't have to worry so much about the potential side effects of zinc. The other thing to, to think about, and it's beyond the scope of this, although you've probably heard me talk on other podcasts, is that in patients in category one and two, there may be some additional benefit uh, to supplementing them with something that may be a little bit less than the AREDS 2, so you don't have to add as much to it. And that's where I use the MacuHealth LMZ3. And so I think if you haven't done this yet, I'd consider MacuHealth in your practice and for your patients. And it's been great for my patients, and, um, and we really feel like we have the ability to uh, help those patients in all categories of macular degeneration. So Ben, thanks for doing this. Um, it's been a long time coming. And um, thanks so much for having me. I, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so tell tell me. So I, I think for the listeners, it would be good to hear kind of your background in practice before we get into some of the other things that you and your wife have done to kind of expand your reaches in other places. And um, and then we'll talk about whatever we're going to talk about. So, so give us a little bit of background on, uh, on you and where you practice and, and what your practice is like. Yeah, sounds great. So, um, so I graduated optometry school in May of 2017. Um, and right out of school, I worked for a couple of different private practices in the Dallas, Fort Worth area. I'm from Arlington, Texas, which is like right in the middle of DFW. Um, so I practice with uh, a couple of really, really strong private practices. Um, one was in Dallas and one was in South Lake. And um, I did that for about a year and a half. And I kind of always knew I wanted to open my own practice. Um, so I ended up opening cold uh, in May of 2019. Uh, so it was about two years after I'd graduated. And um, 
did that. that I opened that in Mansfield, Texas, which is kind of a south suburb of, of DFW. So, um, so Ben, let me ask you. Um, so one of the things that I think a lot of times people are concerned about is they're going to bring on new sharp young docs into their private practice. They're going to teach them about their business. Were any of those doctors, now I, I, I don't view this this way, but were any of those doctors kind of concerned that you left or upset that you left? So it was really kind of the, we, we, we had a really good relationship going in and they knew, um, that I wanted to own a practice. And so part of their uh, pitch to me, so I, I took a lot less money out of school than I could have. That part of the uh, value that I saw with working for them was they kind of told me, hey, we'll kind of mentor you, we'll help you kind of learn about private practice. They were pretty clear that I wasn't gonna own their practices but they they were like you know we can we're open books you know we can our one doctor actually went over his PL with me every quarter and just kind of chatted about that and so i kind of view it as my like private practice residency you know i i didn't make as much money as some of my peers did but i i didn't care because i was like man this is awesome i'm getting these two great doctors that have these awesome practices and subsequently both of them have actually sold out to private equity no. so i think well, i don't they know that they had great practices i don't they didn't tell me this but i think that both of them kind of knew that that was the plan and so that's why they were so upfront with me about hey ben you're not going to buy our practices because they kind of knew we're selling to private equity um so a year and a half were into they, me were they joined together or there were two guys that that said uh we both need part somebody part-time let's come together and get ben so they were they were not they didn't they knew each other but they didn't work together i uh approached the one doctor in dallas uh first and he was like i love you you're awesome come work for me i've got three and a half days that you can work so I went around and I found the doctor in Southlake and I was like, hey, I've got one and a half days that I can work. And he was like, yeah, that's perfect. Come do one and a half. So I made a five or six day schedule kind of for myself. Um, and they, I mean, they both knew that I was working for the other doctor, but they're 50 miles, they're 40 miles away. So they weren't, it wasn't a com competition issue at all. Um, but that was I have some people that ask me like, you know, what would I, some people that are in school and I tell them that's, that's the best thing you can do is just find two or however many, one really good private practices that you can go work for and just learn from them. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what I do. How you up on that? How many, how many of your peers do you Not think, many. Um, you know, I, that's been my sense recently too, is I've talked to a lot of people and they're, um, they're having a really hard time finding young docs. And they they say uh, that it's because the young docs want too much money. Yeah. And then maybe that's the case. I, I mean, I believe it is because everybody I talk to says that. But then you're here yeah. telling me, no, I didn't. But I mean, I know you. it's been five, you know, five well, years since you graduated. <clears throat> but but you're telling me, no, I didn't want a ton of money right away. I just wanted the experience. So yeah. how many of the how many how many Ben Colstons are around right now? In your, Probably in your not very many. So the one really critical part of my story that I didn't share is I got married whenever I 
graduated from college. So I started optometry school married and my wife is a CPA and she had a good job at a big public accounting firm. Um, so we lived off of her income throughout optometry school really easily. So when I graduated, I didn't care what the salary was because our plan all along was to live off of her income and everything that I made was going to go to student loans. So I was like, okay, if I'm making 85, if I'm making 100, if I'm making 120, like 85 is still a heck of a lot of money to pound towards student loans. So um, I just was purely looking for the best experience that I could have. And I knew it wasn't going to be at America's Best or wherever was going to pay me 120. So, so how many uh, people then, you know, how many people, I mean, I guess it's hard to know, but, but your, your experience was kind of unique. So you were able to, you know, kind of put all that away and not have to worry about, you know, making this big lump. Uh, so the, um, so that kind of makes you unique, right? You got to take the advantages that you get. Yeah. Uh, what, what portion of that, of that drive was because of your wife saying, look, we got to get rid of this debt. It's not, it's not good to hang over our head. Somebody's not going to, uh, forgive it all. They might yeah. throw you some, they might throw you a little bit here and there, but, yeah. but it's never going to get close to what you need. Yeah. And you're still going to have to pay so, for it over time anyway. Yeah. We just, we were, we both were on the same page with that. I mean, we both just knew that the quicker we can get pay off this debt, the better, the more freedom we're going to have. And so we were, that was our, that was our plan ever since we got married. I mean, we actually were really, really frugal in school and were able to pay down some of my school while I was in school. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, it was a combined effort, but she's, I mean, she's a CPA. So we're, we're both really good at, uh, budgeting and, um, just kind of living below our means and we've kind of just continued to do that and we haven't had any kids yet so that's kind of made it easier to continue to live below our means but um yeah. but yeah yeah so then so then you start the practice in in mansfield right yep mansfield which is a suburb of of dfw right and south sub suburb so is it on the uh, Fort Worth side or the Dallas side? So it's right in the middle. So you can take 287 and get to Fort Worth. You can take 67 and get to Dallas. So it, it okay. uh, is a growing suburb because of that, because you can basically work in Fort Worth or Dallas and Mansfield would okay. be a, a place you could live. So it's a really, really good uh, city growing. Um, yeah. And so you picked it because of all those things. You build out, you start your own practice, you start the practice. Um, how's your growth been? It's been really good. We have been really blessed. The, uh, so the, um, the other benefit I had is, so I grew up in Arlington. My wife and I both grew up in Arlington, which is the suburb most north of Mansfield. So Arlington and Mansfield kind of merged together. Um, so I had a lot of just hometown growth, you know, my third grade teacher, my little brother's friend's mom, like my crystal, my wife's friends, just like random people kind of helped grow my practice quicker than I think normal would. And we have a great location, a great big sign. Um, so we've, we've grown really quickly. Um, and, um, it's just been, it's been really good. Um, so yeah. 
in a pandemic, so you opened a year before the pandemic started. Uh, did it impact you much? So that was interesting. Yeah, so we opened May of 2019. March of 2020 was when everything shut down. And I think I had an advantage. So we we uh, so we didn't have hardly any overhead because we were a cold start. So I had one and a half employees and uh, my rent was low. My loan payback was low. So my expenses were pretty low. Um, and then we stayed open during a lot of the pandemic. And we kind of, when we had people calling, we would say, yeah, we're being we're being really cautious. You know, we're we're booking our pa patients really far apart, so you'll be the only one in the building. And you know, we didn't tell them we we're a cold start, so we only have <laughs> six or seven people coming in. But we just kind of played it that way, and uh, people were like, "Oh, okay, great." And um, so we we did we did pretty well during the pandemic. I mean, I had nothing to really base it off of. I didn't really know how I'm supposed to be doing, but um, yeah, we made it through COVID pretty well and um, actually had to hire some people during COVID weirdly. Um, so yeah, we made it through COVID really well, actually. You know, I think, um, I think the, so as I was, as you were talking and kind of recounting some of the dates, dates are always weird, you know, Yeah. but I think it must've been three years. So you must've been just opening your new practice when I met you, uh, in, when I came down for, yeah, um, to Texas, you came yeah. down to speak at the vision source thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, and, I had um, probably, yeah, I'd probably been open like three or four months at that yep. point. But you had already, so you had already sort of parlayed some of your your diversification into properties uh, at right. that time, right? You had just either you had just bought one or you were thinking about buying one, right? Yeah. So we had probably whenever I met you the first time. So so I graduated in May of 2017. Opened the practice in May of 2019, um, and actually, let's see. It was February of 2019 was a crazy year for me and Crystal, me and my wife. So February of 2019, we bought our first real estate, our first rental property, February. And then May of 2019 was when we opened uh, the practice. And then in December of 2019, we opened the second, we bought the second rental property. Yeah. Um, and so, and those, those properties, so my thing with real estate is I've, I've never, I've never been like, my parents didn't own rental properties. Nobody really in my life, Crystal's parents didn't own rental properties. What was, what happened for me is my last year of optometry school, when I was doing my, um, uh, what's it called? The clinical rotations. I was, um, I was in Hammond, Louisiana, and I was doing an awesome rotation um, with Dr. Bond and Dr. Roten. Um, oh, and yeah. I was by myself. And uh, so, cause Crystal was still working in San Antonio. So I was like three months by myself. So I read a ton of books and I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is about, about uh, real estate. Yes. Yep. And that just totally blew my mind, made this light bulb go off. So I, I made a five-year plan or five-year goal at my last year of optometry school. So May of 2017, my five-year plan was I wanted to own 
uh, a primary residence, a rental property, a optometry practice, pay off the student loans and have a kid. <laughs> and so um, that was so that was kind of my first like light bulb moment with, oh, real estate is a good uh, a good investment vehicle. You know, it provides passive income, that kind of thing. So started listening to Bigger Pockets, uh, which is a podcast about real estate. Um, and so we actually bought a rental property before we bought our primary residence and before we opened a our practice. Um, so we had, I had, I was working for the two doctors, paid down like 85% of my student loans and we had some money saved up. And so we, we bought a, uh, our first rental property, really small house. Um, it was like three bed, one bath, like, I don't know, a thousand square, 1200 square feet, like really tiny. And it was just something that we could afford. It already had a tenant in it. And so we were like, it already had a property manager. So it was kind of, it was, it's called a turnkey, buying turnkey. Um, so we did that and, um, and it, and we still have that property and it's, it, it's going really well. Um, and then I guess, so, with so the, let me pause you because you, you, you sat, you kind of bought during, if it was 2019, you would have bought before the peak, way before the peak. Yep. Um, you were able to weather any, you know, because it was turnkey, you knew that you could make the mortgage payment, pay the uh, property manager and still probably put something away. Yep. Did you finance that? Um, did you finance that for 15 years, 10 years, 30 years? What, it was a, what was your approach? It was a, it was a 30 year. So all, all of our, all of our real estate is on 30 year notes. And I, 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 yeah, anyways, they're all, all on 30 year notes, but no, 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 you're going to say something. I was going to say something about we that. Would, I would love to, we, we've thought about doing like a 15 or 20 year note, but I read somewhere that you might as well just get it for as long as you can. And then if you're going to, you can always pay it down sooner. Uh, and again, I'm not, I've only been doing real estate stuff for three or four years now. So I'm certainly not an expert. There's people listening to this probably that know way more about real estate than I do, but um, that's why we kind of just chose do it for 30 years and, and get the, the payment as low as you can. Well, 2019, you know, you, you've, you were pretty much toward the bottom of, of the interest rates. You kind of could have always refinanced even in 2021 and still probably been super low. So the math on that, is, it makes a lot of sense. You know, if you can, um, especially if you can reduce your interest rate and carry it over time, it's going to be probably cheaper money than you can get almost anywhere else, especially now. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think there's, there's kind of a back and forth on that. I've, I've always been a 15 year guy. Um, but I think you can make the case that, you know, it probably for, for our primary house, for our primary residence, it wasn't, um, you know, I would, would I rather be paying? I mean, I don't know. You go back and forth. Like right now we've got three year, three and a half years left on our house. Uh, we always have paid more. Um, and so that goes away. And when that goes away, we'll basically have like, it'll be three kids in high school and Catholic high school at that time. So it'd be kind of nice because when that payment goes away, then we just can, you know, shuttle it over to the other. And we'll even feel better because we've been paying for two in high school for the last, you know, for the, for those three and a half years. So my point is, is like, um, you know, I, I don't regret feeling like, oh man, three and a half years and my, my house is paid off. 
Um, but at the same time, like if I want money right now, you know, I had to, I had to buy my dad out this year. He, he decided he wanted to retire and I had to buy him out. Well, the, you know, the, you could probably make the case that had I pushed that money out over time and didn't pay extra, um, and I saved it. That's the other caveat, right? If I would have saved that extra money every month, then I probably could have just written a check to my dad instead of having to, to get a business loan, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where the business loan was a lot more challenging only because there's no hard assets. I mean, there's very little hard assets in an optometric business. You know, it's all pie in the sky. It's all goodwill. Um, and so the amount I had to have down anyway was significant. So anyway, like, you know, you can go yeah. through all those things. I think the bottom line is like, whatever the strategy is, should be the strategy and you adhere to it. And your yep. strategy has been the 30 year modality and you're just adhering to it. And you know, that's built into the cake and you're going to continue to move with it. Yeah. We've, uh, we have, we, we always, it seems like every six months, me and Crystal are like, we look at our portfolio and we're like, okay, when do we, so at some point, the plan is to start the Dave Ramsey debt snowball. We're going to basically, we have these properties and these loans on them. And at some point we're going to say, okay, we've got, we're going to start hammering down one, then we're going to hammer down the other, hammer down the other. Um, but we're pretty, I guess we're, I guess we're more comfortable with debt than maybe a lot of people are because, and, and it's, it, the um, the mortgages on the rental properties are all being paid down by other people and they have good cash flow. So we're, we're kind of, we're getting comfortable with that. Um, and then we're- What's your assessment of that risk though? So so like you're, you're, you're comfortable with it, but you've done so, some sort of risk uh, assessment of the value of that, like of that cash flow. So where's your downside there? Like where, if this goes wrong- Where's it going yeah, to so we've thought we've kind of played through the worst case scenarios. Um, we have a three month. We have yes, on the long term uh, properties we have three months, and on the Airbnb properties we have four months of of all of our expenses kind of saved up. So we have lots of cash reserves for each property, um, but. Um, I got distracted. What were we saying? So, um, well, yeah, so, just you, you postmortem it or you premortem it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, a good way wrong. to think of it. What's going to yeah. happen? Yeah. And so, and, but, and the value of the homes have, have gone up. Um, so in a, in a worst case scenario, we sell our houses off and we can get cash. We can pay our loans off. We can, I think in a worst case scenario, we would just sell. Um, but what if you can't sell? I yeah, don't know. Well, so so then then you take into account so you bought in 2019 so you didn't get the peak you probably could look at this these properties right now and get out but, yeah um and and put a whole bunch of money aside then the question is where are you going to put their money right you're what are you going to do right. with it? um and then there's probably tax implications but you know you go down to 2019 you know it probably I think it I think you know not knowing a ton about real estate I would guess that. I think we were in a bubble. I think we're still in a bubble. It's kind of, that's coming down a little bit from the people I've talked to um, about it. But I don't think the bubble seems like it's going to completely implode like 2008. Maybe it goes down and retracts a bit to 2019, 2018 values. 
But if it does, you still have put enough away to weather that storm. So then even if you have to sell it, you could sell it at a lower price and still walk away. Yeah. You know, you've lived, you've lived through more real estate changes than I have, but, um, so yeah, because didn't if I remember, didn't you graduate like right around two thousand eight? So you yeah, yeah. so you have a different perspective than me. I don't really know what that looked like, but I mean I kind of do, but not not really. Um, but yeah, so it'll be. I just I just feel like real estate is, and this is probably just my naive. I have only had real estate for four years, brain talking, but. I just think it's a, a pretty safe investment. It seems like most of the wealthy people that I know have properties and, um, you know, time is on my side. I can, I can hold these for a while. And um, just, it, it, it's, it's also just kind of a fun thing to keep my brain off of eyeballs all day long. Like I just, me and my wife really enjoy um looking at deals together. We enjoy the remodeling process. Um, do we you just, manage that so, remodeling? Do you actually do it or do you have somebody else that comes in and does it? So for the properties that are not where we live, uh, we have someone else come and do it. Um, the only remodeling that we're doing ourselves is on our primary residence. So we, we're doing a, we bought a really, really old 1970s, all original everything um house in arlington and we're we're living in it and remodeling it as we go and we're laying the floor we're doing the sheetrock we're we're doing it all and it's been fun uh, it's a lot of work but it's been a lot of fun so but yeah, the, uh, so the so the um so now you're up to you have an airbnb two airbnbs and then a primary rental property or two primary rental properties so we have two primary do we have two what we call long-term rentals just normal yep. long-term rentals and then we have three um airbnbs yeah and so, the, so then how many do you want to amass so that has changed so originally our goal was we want to have um so originally it started off we're just going to buy these long-term rental properties we don't really know what we're doing but we want to get in the game we want to get in the real estate game so we did that um, and then we opened the practice and then we got the itch to get an Airbnb. And so we, Fredericksburg, Texas is a little wine country part of Texas. Not many people know about it unless you live in Texas, um, but it's a, it's a cute little town that a lot of people travel to. You drive there from Houston or Dallas or Austin or San Antonio. Um, so we, we, that's where we got our first Airbnb and it started because a group of us from our church, we went down there for a uh, just a weekend getaway, and the, we were trying to find a house to rent at an Airbnb, and they were all so expensive. Like the nightly rates were insane, um, and the one we ended up booking was like a crappy house. And so on the way back, we were all talking about, gosh, we should buy a house and just have it as an Airbnb down here. So. The ball got rolling, and six months later, we we bought one. Me and Crystal did, and it's not a. It wasn't a um, traditional house. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a great um, house to live in. The garage has been converted, so that that's what we like to do with Airbnbs. Is we find houses that are really undervalued um, because a lot of the people that are buying them for primary residences aren't looking at them. So they have, right. 
the garage is converted on this first one. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, that's really the only problem with this one is it's the garage is converted. Um, but it's great for an Airbnb because that's more beds. Nobody cares. You can get. Nobody cares yeah, nobody cares. cares. Um, so that's how we got into the Airbnbs. And then that, so then we were like, wow, this is awesome. We love having this Airbnb. It, there, it was difficult. We, we had to furnish it. There's some stuff with that that was we learned along the way. Um, so about getting back to what's what's that about what furnishing them? That was about difficult. About furnishing them. What, 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 was, what furnishing? was the problem with furnishing the oh, Airbnb? Well, so Fredericksburg is um, four and a half hours away from DFW. So we bought all of the furniture in DFW and. That we just kind of stored it in our garage or in our house, in extra bedrooms in our house. And then we loaded up a U-Haul, drove it down to Fredericksburg, unloaded it, uh, got everything set up. Um, so I guess it wasn't really a problem. It's just kind of a lot to furnish a four, three bedroom house in a weekend. Um, and, you know, that can be really expensive, but we did a lot of Facebook marketplace grabs and stuff like that. Do you put in all the amenities of like, we've stayed at Airbnbs before where, well, first two things that I, that I think about one, we did in, or, in Orlando, which was great. Actually we did it on space coast was we did it at Cocoa beach, which was awesome. And then we did it uh, again in, um, in, well, we did it in uh, California during right before the pandemic. And then we did it again in Arizona this last uh, this last winter. And so one of the things I think um, that I noticed in Arizona was in the neighborhood that we were in, probably like five or six signs in the yard that was like Airbnbs bring down property values or short term rentals are bad for communities. And I was like, wow, OK, well, I'm not I don't feel very welcome, um, <laughs> but I don't, don't need to because I, you know, sure. I just go in the backyard and hang out. The other thing yeah. that I thought was really cool, and I wonder if you do this, was just the like the um, Wi-Fiization of the entire house. You know, mm -hmm. controlling the lights, the air conditioning, the even the locks, so that like the ones that are the best when we've gone to them, it's like you get a text. Here's the code. The code always changes, and like everything starts working. You know, have you done that? Yep. Yeah. So that's the that was part of the big learning curve with the first Airbnb is we. And my wife really is the one that does all this, but um, she's figured out the automation. So when you book our, our property, there's automatically get a message that's like, hey, we're Ben and Crystal. We're excited to have you at our house. Um, and I, I found that the more like personal you can make it, the better they treat your house and the better they leave good reviews because they know, oh, we're staying at this couple's house and here's the picture of them and they look nice. Like, let's not mess up their house. Um, so we we, auto, we automate that um, and then they get another message the day of check-in that's automated and it has the code. And yeah, we have the, the Yale lock. That's like, a, that is critical. I don't know how anybody would do it with a key i mean that just seems you have to live there you'd have to live right next to it yeah i think you're right yeah so and then we've got a nest thermostat so if they leave the ac cranking after they leave we can turn it up um but that's about it we don't have like lights or anything but we have a you know our cleaner goes in um 
we, we met our cleaner and her husband is a handyman. So they are like super helpful for, for our Fredericksburg properties. Um, and they, so she goes in and does a clean. Oh, but there is also an automation for her. So the Airbnb calendar is linked with this other app called Turnover BNB. And so whenever somebody, so we don't even have to message our cleaner and say, hey, someone's staying this week. Like she just automatically knows that. So, cool. and learning that kind of was like, oh my gosh, like we can scale this. Like, so our going back to your original question about like the goal, we originally wanted to have, you know, five or six in different areas that we would want to go uh, like on vacation. Well, that has kind of shifted. And we, so we did one, so we did a, our Fredericksburg one, and then we did a second Fredericksburg one. That's literally like around the corner. Um, because it just, it was a great deal. We were like, we've already got the cleaner set up. Like this will be a pretty easy second thing to add. Um, and then we did a third one in California and that has been kind of a kick in the gut like it's not been as good as the fredericksburg ones you want to run away from california we are you, so you're like the so, only texan who has decided to buy property in california literally of the yes. way around yes so every time okay. i go i was there i was there last week two weeks ago and i love i mean i i i actually san diego as much as i Maybe I shouldn't say this because I get invited there often, but as much as I like, I like, I dislike California in general. I love the people in California. Uh, you know, the people that I encounter optometrists, I love optometrists and, you know, optometrists in California are very similar optometrists to other places. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I really like San Diego, but every single time I go, even like no matter where I'm at, San Diego, Sacramento, uh, San, Di you know, uh, San Francisco, everybody complains about the regulations. And, yeah. and I can only imagine the regulation. I had to sign to get my rental car. I had to sign an acknowledgement that that um, that the fumes from the rental car could be uh, <laughs> could cause some other sort of problems. So, I'm like, I mean, just a gas powered car. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's been so that has kind of uh, and the time zone thing was tough. So like it'd be ten o'clock and a guest would message us and it's midnight Texas time. So that one we have actually handed over to a property manager, which is better. It's hands, it's, it's not impacting our life. You know, we don't hate it as much because the property manager is handling a lot, but it has affected our cash flow. So instead of having cash flow, we're basically just covering the mortgage and all the expenses, which if that was our plan going in, you know, a lot of people may say, that's great. You know, you're, you've got a, a property in California that you can go to whenever you want and the mortgage is being paid for, but our, we're not, we're not in that place where we want that. We really are wanting cash flow, monthly cash flow, um, which we're getting from Fredericksburg. So, so that kind of changed our goal. And I don't think we, really want to have it, it's just stressful like that just I don't know some people can maybe handle that but with the practice and so we don't want to have multiple and multiple states anymore um, mm. I think a lot of people do but we just we don't that's not our goal anymore so our goal has evolved right now I honestly don't even know what I would say our real estate goal is we just opened the, we bought a second optometry practice. So that's kind of our, 
that's taken all of our mental energy and everything. So we're the real estate has kind of taken a back seat. We're just kind of trying to we're we're working on our primary residence. Um and that's been fun, but um but yeah. So so let me ask you, this is the last one because I, I threw it out there, but I didn't have you, you didn't respond to it. Um, the locals in your short-term rentals, the people who are permanent residents, uh, have permanent residents there. What are their thoughts about about you or about, you ever get any problems with that? Yeah. So Fredericksburg is a unique city. And this is, you know, if you read any Airbnb articles, you know, should I buy an Airbnb? This is one of the top things they always say to look for is make sure that the city is pro tourism. Uh, and Fredericksburg is a city that is built around tourism. So I haven't found much. I mean, they have town hall meetings and there's a few res, uh, Fredericksburg locals that are against it, but I would say most of the people in Fredericksburg um, also own Airbnbs or they own a breakfast, a bed and breakfast. So I don't, we've owned them for two, I mean, I guess two and a half years and there hasn't been any discussion about changing the short-term rental laws. Um, the California one's the same way. So it's, uh, it's in, I don't know if you've heard of like Stagecoach and Coachella, like they're the big music festivals. I'm not a yep. music festival guy at all, but that's the big draw um, where our where our California house is. And um, so I don't see that changing. I think it could be a problem in Orlando or these places that are are tourist destinations, but are also have a lot of primary residents. That's where you, I don't know. I guess long answer to your question, but we haven't had that issue, thankfully. But I mean, the only place I saw it was Arizona, and it was because the house we rented was in a, you know, it just looked like a normal neighborhood, you know. Yeah. In in Cocoa Beach, it was a it was a beach neighborhood, so I think they sort of it was built into the cake. A lot of tourism, people understand that this is how it's going to work, and they're fine yeah. with it. Um, and then uh, same thing, Long Beach, you know, Long Beach, California. I got the sense that same thing. They, they, uh, there was enough of it that nobody really cared that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, I mean, that would, that's kind of the risk with having a, I guess our backup plan, if that happened is we could always turn our Airbnb into a long-term rental, right. um, or sell it or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's been, have you guys, have you ever, have you ever looked into any, uh, not real seriously, estate at all? Personally? Not seriously. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, uh, my, my real estate aspirations are more for profession or for like, um, commercial, you know, yes, as opposed to yeah. residential, but I, you know, I've thought about it, but just not seriously. Um, and every time I do, I, I, uh, you know, I, I am not, I've not gotten past the, like the logistics of, Oh, if somebody calls and needs this fixed, I'm, like I'll have to have a property manager and cause I'm not going to be available right. to go do something or coordinate anything. And then, you know, but, but you're saying, and, and this is, this makes me at least think a little bit more about it is just that, um, that you can build in the cost of all those things. And then, you know, you're still on the plus side with cash flow, And to that extent, um, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that does interest me. I just haven't ever, um, haven't ever crossed that yeah. line. Yeah. yeah. Have you read Rich so, Dad Poor Dad? I have. Yeah. It's been yeah. a long, I, I've yeah. yeah, and I've um 
he was on, he must've written another book recently because he's been on a number of podcasts that I listen to. And, and oh, yeah. maybe it's just because, you know, he's predicting, he's, he's predicting kind of this, this crash that's impending with inflation and, and those sorts of things. But, um, so that might be why people are reaching out to him, but he's still, gotcha. he's still doing it. He yeah. sounds a little, he sounds a little repetitive because I'm not sure if he's forgetting what he said, but, or he just has the same message over and over and over again. I probably sound the same way too. I just have the same. Message, right. But, um, anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I have read it. I have read it. Sure. Yeah. Answer your question. Yeah. That, it, that, that book was the one that really made me think, Oh man, like I actually do want to want to have property, but it's, uh, it's definitely something that I, I've, I've had to also balance that with, you know, we're not building a kingdom on earth. Like, what are we doing? Like moth and rust yeah. can destroy all this. And so I've had, yeah. I think I leaned into it a little too hard. 2019 and 2020, I was like, man, like, let's get as much property as we can. And I'm kind of having to realize, you know, there's a lot more to life than real estate. You know, there's so. What I like about the story is, um, you know, and I can relate to definitely is just the diversification of your brain. And I think there's a lot to be said about thinking about different things, using, learning about new things, kind of, uh, I think they help your primary business. And then I also think that it gives, for some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, we, we need the, I'll call it a distraction, that's not the right word, but you, you need the compartmentalization of your brain skills in different areas. Now it can be bad. I've seen it. I I've seen, I've seen it been really bad where people think that they uh, can do all the things because they're good at this one thing. Um, and then it ends not good. But I think if you can, you know, having the ability to have sort of these silos and these pockets where you get to use your brain differently uh I think it'd be really beneficial. I think it can prevent burnout if you if you realize what you just said is that what are you building here? You know, yep. what what are you trying to build? If you're if you're conscious of it and and say, "Look, I like to do these things." Like for me, I like to have conversations with people that I get to learn from. And um and I like sharing messages about um about uh optometric practices and I like to share ideas and think about new ways of doing things. I think that helps my practice, but it also allows me to think differently and present differently. Uh, and so, you know, certain times come around and my new silo gets to, gets to work a little bit. And then by the time I'm getting a little bit tired of that silo, then I can kind of come back to the other one. And so that, that message that you're talking about does speak to me, but I also, um, I think I'm getting better at it, but realizing that, you know, you can't take it with you. And yeah. so you've got to be able to enjoy some things. It's not all about just amassing, you know, a bunch of, stuff that yeah. you know, doesn't really mean anything as long as it has yeah. a goal for it at the end where you can serve, you know, serve the, serve your higher, you know, serve, serve the Lord and, yeah. um, and help get your family to, to heaven. Right. So that's a, that's another like super cool thing where we've pivoted away from the long-term rentals to the Airbnbs is the Airbnbs have allowed us to be a huge blessing to other people. Like we've had a couple that they they just had a baby well i guess the baby was like a year it was like a year and a half years old and they really just hadn't gotten away and so we offered them our house and they went down to fredericksburg for the weekend and we've done that for a few other friends that just 
want to get away, but they don't want to spend a lot of money. It's like, Hey, go stay at our house. This is, and so it's a cool, like another variable with real estate that allows you to be a blessing that maybe a long-term rental wouldn't. I mean, I guess you can be a great landlord and still bless your tenants, but it all just goes back to where's your heart at. But um, yeah, having, having multiple things for your brain to work on has been so helpful for me. I think if I was an optometrist, really even, so, you know, you kind of have the clinic aspect, you have the business owner aspect, and then you have the real estate aspect your view, you know, you've got your, the podcast, you've got your billing coding uh, company. And I just think it's fun to have multiple, multiple things going on. Yeah, I agree. And it's not for everybody. Um, but, uh, but I agree. That's it. It's what prevents, it's certainly what prevents my burnout. So let me, let me do this. Um, you've been now to two F3 workouts with me. Uh, one, I know the one. one The second one, yeah, I missed the second one. <sighs> have you been? Have you but, been in uh, in in Dallas? I have. Often? I haven't looked into it in Dallas. I'm sure there is one. I mean, it's a huge. It's oh, there's got to be one. Yeah. 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 Well, do you remember your F3 name? I, I sure do. Okay, so we're gonna close yeah. this since you're since you're an F3 brother. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> close this that same way. So um, I'll let you. I'll start and then I'll let you finish. Okay. So okay. Christopher Wolf, 41. Cataracts. Ben Colston, 32. Flipper. Flipper. All right. <laughs> ben, thanks for doing this, man. It was a ton of fun. Thanks so much, Chris. This was awesome. I really appreciate that you do these. I think you're doing awesome. I love listening to them every, what do you do? Every couple of weeks or every month? Every week. Still every every week? week? Every Monday. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Yep. I love it. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. Yeah.